Volume 2 for Easter weekend 2025. Easter? How did we get to Easter? April 1st, 2018. We've, we've uh, so far continued to uh, meet and... Uh, and uh, make podcasts. Well, now that we have this very luxurious uh, recording studio. Oh, yeah. It's uh, so luxurious. <laughs> it's the most luxurious ever as I wear a jacket to keep from being cold. And I'm just shivering. Yeah. So, you <laughs> That's know, how it goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> My garage is ever so uh, accommodating. Well, if the weather would make up its mind, whether it wanted to be spring or kind of winter. Yeah, well, I mean, it got up to, like, 75 the other day. Yeah, and then it dumped down to, like, 42 degrees. And we're like, uh, uh, It was the worst. I called, um, I was calling my insurance just to see, oh, hey, um, so my insurance, once I meet my deductible, does cover 90% of Botox. <laughs> Great. Well, so you, la- <laughs> you laugh, you laugh, but Botox actually is used for migraines now. Oh, oh okay. So it's supposed to stop migraines for three months. Oh. That, that would probably be a life changer for you. It would be. It's only going to st- still cost me at least $300 to per injection instead of 3000 But, you know, whatever, you know, <sighs> that's, you know, you're only paying 10% as opposed to 100%. So. Oh, so anyway, I was I called insurance and I was talking to them. And the person I was on, I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of freezing. She's like, oh, cool. Where, what part of the country are you in? And I'm like, oh, Oklahoma. She's like, oh, I'm in California. I'm loving the weather. And I'm like, Great. <laughs> Rub it in. Cool. Rub it in. Cool, cool. It's like 40 to 50 degrees right now. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Cool. And then I talked to a guy in New York who uh, it was snowing in New York right yeah. now. So He's I was like, like okay, cool. Like, All right. You enjoy it. I'm not going to brag. Gonna I'll brag. see you tomorrow <laughs> here in Oklahoma. Um, so actually real quick, I have all the hot sauces for the hot ones episode. Whoop, whoop. Jeff straight today said that he was planning on being the interviewer and was, Sweet. he was like, I eat Diablo sauce on every single uh, Taco Bell. And I'm like, cool. We'll pass that in three wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be a thousand Scoville. Yeah. We're going to 2 million, baby. What, what? Yeah, so this should be interesting. We're going into that shit where they're like, you have to, you have to sign a waiver. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, my my favorite thing about talking with Jeff, love you, Jeff, was that I was just like, I was just speaking the way I speak about things, but he and I are just going in circles because he doesn't understand my slang. <laughs> where I'm like, okay, so you're gonna, so you're gonna take on the gauntlet. You're gonna, you're gonna take on those wings. What do you mean, take on those wings? Well, like, you you know, yes, the interviewer asks those questions, but I'm giving you an analysis. You don't have to if you don't want to. I don't know what you're saying. You can eat the wings if you want, but I'm not expecting you to. But I have to if I'm the interview. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to come up with a version of the show where you don't have to be the interviewer, but we can still use your questions because I don't want to rope you into this being you know to this hotness he's like no i am down to eat the wings i want to experience pain yes but i honestly i think what this gonna is gonna spiral into a little bit is us recording all of my friends and probably your friends um at least those that are willing coming over and us just doing okay here's pep here's a here's the last stab yeah here here's the series of hotness you ready for this 
because I know a lot of people who are uh, hot sauce, uh, quote unquote, hot sauce connoisseurs that uh, about to have their uh, assholes blown wide open. Yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, I just hit season five on Hot Ones, so I am almost done. You're done? It's still coming out. <laughs> I mean, I am almost done. You're um, almost caught up. I'm almost done mainlining this hot sauce. Yeah. Um, I even started watching. I, I'm not an H3 um, fan, but I started watching the H3 podcast. With because, Sean Evans. Yeah. So. They've actually had some interesting guests on there as far as like YouTube people because they had Captain Disillusion on there. And right. They had Vsauce 3, I think, on TV there. Well, and they just had Dead Mouse on about him doxing. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was he doxed, but. Yeah, but has Dead Mouse on there without the helmet on and all that yeah. stuff? And it's just like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. that's so yeah. that's what they've definitely somehow they've arrived in a yeah. weird way of like, <laughs> like their <sighs> their YouTube videos are hit or miss. But uh, well, I think it probably the biggest thing is the lawsuit that yeah. brought them a lot of acclaim and a lot of goodwill whenever yeah. it came to the the whole uh, what was it the can't even remember what the fucking uh, I don't stuff re- about the lawsuit was. Oh, it was them, um, them making fun of somebody. I think it was a parkour guy. No, I I may be wrong, but I, I seem to remember it being a guy who did par- parkour a lot, and him just kind of him just sucking at what he did, and so he sued them for you know using his videos yeah. and all that good stuff. So I, I actually had no idea who they were yeah. before that. It was a parkour video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They made fun of I, the guy. I know, I know my parkour shit. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nathan, what have you been working on? Uh, well, this last uh week, I started making the outline, the real outline for widescreen because I really wanted to know like how fucked am I <laughs> with all the things I want to put into this. So Nathan, everybody together, how oh. fucked are you? If I did the outline I'm talking, I sketched out, it would be a fucking hour and a half easily. Hey, we got we all have to have our Rajneesh perms. Yeah, I'm not I'm not anywhere <laughs> near ready to take on that type of like time investment. Right. For, yeah. Like, I mean, that would be a lot of hard, like a lot of hard work. Not not just like a little bit of hard work not like oh that was just enough hard work it's good i didn't do it too quickly i'm i i put in as much effort as it needed i see the escalation is strong with this one yeah (laughs) so i'm basically having to scale back to a much more streamlined form because it's just it's going to be unwieldy if i try to do i might still have to cover some of the other things in other videos later in the future and maybe i can assemble right a full cut of it in the future but uh no way no way am i taking on that large of a project right now considering also i've been continuing to work on the poetry manuscript right 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 which literally tonight I was working on it and got so logged in, I almost forgot that we were podcasting. I'm proud so, of you. <laughs> it's one of those, one of the many things that uh, you have to do when you are creating. 
So is uh, figure out what you need to be working on, and if you're uh, if it's if it's working, go or, all in. Yeah, <laughs> or, or if it's even worth like devoting that extra time to that specific notion. Yeah, I mean, at some point, that's I mean, essentially, you're talking about exactly what Rob Aker does right now. Yeah. Where it's hey, we I'll sell this for five bucks a pop, and uh, here's my hour, almost two hour analysis of Total Recall, chopped into you know chopped and screwed, and uh, released in little bits on the website to uh, entice pique, you, yeah, pique your interest. Like hey, if you want to see more of what I of what I talked about, but yeah, I don't have the back lot the the like backlog of information and stuff going on to really be ready to like do something that large right without overwhelming myself and getting so frustrated that i know you never finish it i don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah clearly clearly like, you never encountered yeah, anything where you're that, like that, hmm. like the, the star wars hmm. script that just yeah. is now sitting on your computer <laughs> unfinished <laughs> honestly i could release it now because it just came out on home video so i could actually release it now it just got to a point where it's like well it's been a month and a half and nobody's talking about this anymore so fuck me right so well as you can see youtube is so uh very full of discussions about the star wars i like that patrick willems is just like how oh, cool i just got another six paragraph thing from a fan <laughs> about saying, i'm wrong about, about star wars and if you're thinking about do this just don't and i was like but what if i want to do the opposite yeah <laughs> what if i want to go do, do you want do you want that patrick willems <laughs> <laughs> i can send that to you do you want both do you want both i could do 12 paragraphs for you <laughs> Dave, would you like 24 paragraphs? Dave, 48 paragraphs on Star Wars. <laughs> I could I could rustle that up for you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. How 9000 video essayist. <laughs> See that that that's actually an idea right there. Yeah, you you the... just you put the um the, the black filter on the edges there, the yeah. vignette. And, and you occasionally cut to the shot of just the eye. Yeah. Okay. So there's a YouTube channel that's going to take off. Yeah. <laughs> How 9,000 movie reviews. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is watching Justin be like, how can we do this immediately <laughs> before anybody else steals it? Yeah, not uh, You heard it here first. <laughs> Copyright, dubious consumption, media. Yeah, whatever <laughs> the fuck this thing's called. Dubious media, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's got to have a C in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, later. yeah. Figure it out in post. Well, copyright's already there. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Dubiously copyrighted media. Uh, yeah so uh words yeah we just <laughs> got lost there for a second uh so uh justin what have you been working on um i continued to write on my uh, year in review list because obviously march was the year anniversary um i 
do actually, I did actually finally record the audio for it. I'm working on cleaning it up now. Uh, rough cut was 20 minutes long, but that's with all my screw ups and start overs and trying to get the right tone. I realized that I was talking really fast while I was going through it, so I might have to re recording and slow down a little bit. But yeah, I had planned on doing two episodes one that featured my numbers, kind of dead meat style. And that would have been a minute and a half long episode. Hey, maybe hey. two minutes. Would it, you could have done it as a teaser. Yeah, yeah. So um, instead, I'm going to just wrap that around to the back. And um, I expect the video to be a lot more similar to my top 10, my top 10 favorite movies. Yeah. As opposed to the anything else I've really done. Just kind of something that I throw together talk expound a little bit on but mainly just kind of show the trailer in between clips that way we have something out there that talks about all yeah. these random ass movies all the random ass movies i mean the big thing on that one is still it's not the stuff that just came out in 2017 because main reason I, i'm doing the stuff that all wraps into 27 that i watched in 2017 yeah and a lot of that is because some of the things had festival releases that were in 2016 technically split is a 2016 movie even though it came out wide release in really, it just really depends on how you want to interpret yeah the imdb and and most of them do it by first limited release in a um fest at a festival uh not all of them a lot of them though. there are plenty of them that got premieres at festivals that it's not considered the world premiere yeah but the um Seems for most of the ones that I was looking at, that's what it ended up being. So it was kind of like, okay. And one of my favorite movies is from 2013. So it was like, okay. Like you do. Yeah. You know, always got to fill in that backlog. Yeah. So um, hopefully I'll have that out in a couple days. I doubt I'll have it out by Saturday because I will have my kids on. Uh, I work tomorrow and then I have my kids on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. And all the days forward hints. Yeah, not not quite for for a chunk, for a chunk. Yeah, so yeah. Woo. Um. So other than that, let's see, uh, Nathan, what do you have to recommend us? Well, I finally got around to watching 2017's Atomic Blonde. You know, for a second there, I thought you were about to say 21 Jump Street or something. <laughs> totally throw you yeah i was just like what the fuck they put hal 9000 in a leather jacket and he got to walk around the high school oh hello dave (laughs) this is jeff (laughs) some computer with a hat on it's like steve buscemi with the skateboard but you just replace it with hal 9000 yeah yeah this this is hefe (laughs) Tell him that great story, Hefe. Tell him. It always cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get so lost in this. It's going to be terrible. Uh, so, Ato- Atomic Blonde. Um, so, so you finally saw this fucker. Yeah, finally, finally watched it. In uh, full? Well, I, I uh, had started it one night, real, realized that only made it about halfway through and had to go to bed and like 
realized that it was one of those movies no you just gotta sit and watch you can't watch it in chunks you gotta just watch the whole fucking thing right so i i like a couple days later i got home from work and i was like i'm gonna watch all of atomic Blonde," and uh i was really so i mean the functional plot is basically a the first mission impossible movie there's a knock list right there's double crosses there's all sorts of stuff there's an agent going after as opposed to her, instead of her being, uh, what, what are they, where they're abandoned by the government or whatever, disavowed. There you go. Yeah. Instead of being disavowed, she's actually still like a regular agent. And, uh, she enters Berlin at not just the, not really the end of the Cold War, the end of the Berlin Wall specifically. Right. And like those, those few days before. Yeah. The few days before and the like days it's happening. The walls right. coming down, and uh, like basically that week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, what an incredible backdrop for a spy film. Yeah, because the symbolic layer of the film is all right there. Right, right. You have the wall that people can't exit from one side unless they basically commit acts of terrorism or are willing to die. <laughs> right. Uh, or you know you have uh the tunnel the the underworld uh, of both going underneath the walls and you have the whole black market where information is more important than money or goods i think that one of the things i like so much about it is the fact that they are so deeply embroiled in this yeah and the walls coming down yeah and they're just, oh yeah uh, oh okay the, Everything they've been working for is pretty much over. Yeah, and people are dying because of yeah. what's going on. And oh, hey, the the wall's coming down in uh, just like thirty six hours. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's cool. You know, it's, it's, it's whatever. Uh, the interesting thing is, is like I knew that Charlize Theron had done physical roles before. I was not anticipating it to be like as much of a. I remember seeing in the trailers, like, you see damage on her body, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, holy shit. That pseudo one-take stare sequence where there's just that moment where they're all, like, woozy and can't move right, and, like, I was like, they literally went for, like, what would it, if this happened? Yeah. What would happen to you? It's like, very, very much an old boy feeling to it. Yeah, where it, it's you know, oh, oh, yeah, okay. it, okay. and it gives Just you kind of that Jackie, yeah. Jackie Chan vibe of like yeah. you know expose, exposing no matter how powerful you are, that you're all weak, you're all human. Yeah, you know, like you can do incredible things, but because you're trained and because you have, uh, but you don't have superpowers, <laughs> like. You, you can't just pop back up like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger used to. You can't, you know, you don't. You're not going to survive sometimes the right. terrible things that you uh, think you can survive. But there's still some like very much John Wicky elements, like the the jewelry shop, the clock, the I should say the clockmaker. Yeah, that's very much a uh, that would not have felt out of place with uh, the Continental. No, not at all. And, um, but man, the fact that Lorraine 
as a character is like you got you really get the sense of like she feels guilty that she wasn't there right to to help with the mission before when she finds out it's her ex-lover right and in the process and you know super super i'm I'm gonna probably go into some spoilers what spoilers uh but um, the dubious consumers no no what no No. uh (laughs) dave there will be spoilers ahead (laughs) don't do it dave (laughs) but um do it dave all the spoilers so we have the character that uh sophia batella plays delphine lasalle who is basically an a the the opposite of the hero in the fact of like instead of the antagonist being the opposite of the hero it's the it's the quote-unquote love interest right that is the opposite where she's she's in over her fucking head yeah she's trying to follow the rain and the rain's got her from drop one right like knows there's someone following her someone taking pictures someone trying to someone who's in on her mission and the fact that Lorraine is there to pick up the body of an agent, but because she has a secondary mission, she uh, completely, basically bungles the body transfer by giving the wrong code word. Like, <laughs> she basically makes it to where she has to stay. Right. She gives herself time and. And that's that's the other interesting thing is like you have the body which is decaying it will, is is being eaten away by you have the wall being eaten away by its own corruption and its own like lifespan. You have the fact that like Berlin in the seventies and eighties was like even up into the nineties was like such a hotbed of like artists and writers and poets. It was kind of the Paris of the late twenty of the early. What Paris was in the early 20th century, Berlin became for the late 20th century. Right. Uh, like, there's this whole, like, the whole era of, like, David Bowie's Berlin trilogy, and Iggy Pop's got a couple records that come from that same time period. Lou Reed, all these people collaborating and writing and creating, like, great art on one side while everyone is suffering on the other side of the wall. Right. And, like, I can. I think one of the guys from Rammstein. I can't remember if it was the the main guitar player or whatever. In some interview I read back, this is something that like stuck in my head. It was like the only thing that made it through the wall was Kiss. Yeah, like the yeah. the only thing he remembers of Western culture as a kid is Kiss and wanting to be a rock star, and he kind of did it. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say m- mission achieved, mission accomplished, <laughs> but. I, it's really amazing that, like, for a spy story that's mostly double crosses, triple crosses, you don't really see all of the twists coming. Yeah, yeah. It's a deeply symbolic movie. Like, between the news, the way it cuts to the news stuff on the TV, the way it uses the music from the 80s, like, all throughout the 80s, and even to, like, there's even a cover version that's actually from later of what song you already heard 
but they just play a Blue Monday. There's another cover version of it. Oh, okay. In the movie that's from not that time period, but it gives it like it's but it's a woman's voice singing it. And, okay. Um, but uh, man, this was definitely one of my most most favorite James McAvoy performances recently. Right. Uh, and um, you, you can tell he was all in. Oh the yeah. Whole way like. And the fact that like his character is named Percival, which is uh, one of the Knights of the Round Table, right? Who in one of the Grail stories, he's the one who found the Grail. The end of uh, uh, the third Indiana Jones movie. Oh, okay, yeah. The the knight who's like all crippled. The whole idea of the Fisher King uh, is the Percival story of like. He's the uh, he's the knight who doesn't successfully get the Grail, but so, he should have. And yeah, that obviously plays very much into his yeah, character. Like, totally plays into like he's he's part of the holy order. He's got the, all the pieces, and especially the way that like the last the the final twist of the movie turns out you're like oh shit no he really he was a good guy doing bad things he wasn't just a bad guy doing bad things he was playing everybody yeah but to get what he wanted yeah to be the he cool just guy. he just happened to be a shit heel yeah he just happened to do everything as dirty as possible because he quote unquote gone native as they say yeah the english yeah. i was like god what stupid english racist colloquialism <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> treating it like it's a fucking that was a uh like a really interesting element of like the english thinking they're so superior to the to the german right yeah it's... and to the red and to the soviet you know just that and all of that state and there's just I can't, I can't believe this is probably the most sophisticated fucking action movie I've ever seen. Like, I and, mean, definitely you know, plot wise, wine, plot wise line and all this symbolism yeah. and all and yeah. the symbology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the um, word you're looking for is symbolism. <laughs> symbolism. Um, but yeah, the we just quoted fucking boondock scenes. <laughs> We're fucking... talking about atomic plot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But anyway, Dave, um, <laughs> don't do it again. Um, I yeah, it's the the way I always pitch this to people is that it's um, I can't even remember. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah, you, said well, you said it to me a bunch. That's why. I know. Oh yeah, every time. I still haven't had a, a Tinker Taylor Soldier that. Spy meets John Wick with a healthy dose of uh, filth in there. Yeah, I mean there there's not as much of the surrealism of filth. No, there's not. You know. But I think it's more McAvoy's performance yeah, in there. Yeah, he's a little bit more just unhinged than he is in most of his roles. Yeah. Well, which is you know, I, I love James McAvoy. Then, yeah. you know, a, a thinner I I I I look like James McAvoy a little bit whenever I'm thinner, but not so much right now. I'm the <laughs> I'm the bloated James McAvoy. You're the bloated James McAvoy if you let himself go. Let, let himself go. It wasn't so uh, English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. But um, just 
the color schemes in the in the movie is incredible. The locations. Uh, apparently they shot a bunch of it in Budapest and then a bunch in Berlin and like just seeing the kind of like Corbusier influence of the kind of like in the Soviet architecture which you see in if you watch any Soviet films you kind of see the kind of the way um, the kind of apartment complexes and stuff and the but it was just it was just fascinating to see an action movie almost completely elevated to an art movie instead of like but not in not in the same way like drive is right where even the violence is fetishized in a way that like you would find uh in uh in a lot of art movies like the way and like i heard some criticism i read some criticism of like her uh, like people being like why is she naked so much and i'm like i i don't i don't know if i really feel like i'm i in it, it watching it i'm like well why wasn't john wick fucking me <laughs> like that that's more the real you know, question like, i i don't know i mean i can understand it as very much with the way um i want the male gaze is definitely more yeah. under scrutiny at this point yeah yeah so that's it can be a valid question there just kind of going well and that's a lot of that was even more why originally before going into it everybody was just kind of like oh this is just going to be a john wick knockoff this is going to be the sleazy version of john wick no i feel like it's even more elevated than john wick is um have you uh looked into picking up the graphic novel it's based off the the coldest coldest city City. i i I have i've seen it places but i haven't had a chance to check it out Apparently, there's also a uh, prequel called The Coldest Winter. Ah. So. Definitely wanted to check it out after knowing how much of a comic book fan I am. Yeah. But uh, I definitely agree it was probably one of the best. It's probably one of those, like, I don't know if it necessarily is the in the top ten. I don't, I hadn't really made a top ten list. But I would, if this is one of those movies that I would retroactively add to a top 10, maybe a top 10 or top 20 list. Right. You know, of like, I hadn't seen it, but now that I've seen it, it, it has to be on the list. Cause wow. Yeah. Like I did not expect like the level of like, it's not just a dumb action movie with really like well choreographed action scenes. And now you see why I was so annoying about it. <laughs> it's like, dude, 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 dad. Dude, you gotta watch Tom Blomman. Yeah. Brah. Probably gonna watch it a bunch of times. Brosif. Because, like, it's one of those, like, there's so many details that you're like, I gotta watch this again. <laughs> so, so my favorite thing about it was we were talking about all the actors who were in there, and I go, how'd you like that uh, Bill Skarsgård? He's not in this. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I just watched it. He's not in there. Yeah, he is. Yeah sexy star wars rebel uh bill skarsgård's in there not deranged clown yes sexy clown yeah deranged psychotic clown bill skarsgård he was like it was funny seeing like just looking at side-by-side pictures of him and being like when did they and looking and then finally finding out oh yeah they did film this movie like almost a year and a half before it came out yeah like (laughs) like oh okay that makes more sense that yeah 
he was a little younger than it so when he made it uh so uh justin um is there a movie you would recommend or warn about yeah i uh saw pacific rim uprising Ooh, not directed by Guillermo del toro yeah so you know produced by but instead um is that steven the knight yes yeah of daredevil yeah of uh daredevil. two episodes of daredevil he, uh, yeah he took for, over a showrunner when uh drew goddard bounced out yeah in two episodes of smallville and three episodes of angel yeah. so yeah. this is his first yeah. feature he, he's been a, he was a part of that original joss whedon kind of crew along with drew goddard and a few other people yeah it was um it was interesting it wasn't really what I was expecting. It had a lot of tonal problems, a lot of tonal shifts. Um, did not go where I thought it would. Actually, was less interesting than I thought it would be. No, oh, that's always disappointing. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily disappointing. I mean, I, so the weird thing about it is the the plot of this one, and I, I kept away as much as I could from watching anything on it. I honestly wasn't even sure if I was going to go see it, yeah. but it was one of those, hey, I got off work early enough. I'm not having the kids. It's going to be one of the few times in the next couple of weeks I'm going to be able to do this, so let's go. And the idea of it is it's 10 years after the first movie. Okay. John Boyega is playing uh, Idris Elba's kid. I knew that much from the trailer. And he is living kind of in a demilitarized, uh, um, demilitarized zone where like living around the kaiju bodies that are like mansions that are destroyed and squatting in these mansions. And he's one of those guys that breaks into the factories where there's decommissioned kaiju. Or, I mean, not uh, Jaegers. Yeah, and that he steals parts so that mobsters and other people can build their own Jaegers. So there's this whole black market for the Jaegers. And Which... It, Totally fits with like Ron Perlman's character from right. the first movie. So. And so the whole point is, is like, hey, if you can steal this stuff, you can live like a king. And it's all about bartering goods and just going crazy. And he ends up in a kind of going through this deal and almost getting threatened with death. And then comes across this young scrapper who has built her own like fifth of a size of a normal Jaeger but built her own little scrapper Jaeger that turns into a ball and can run around and they get caught and he gets pulled in to be a ranger and she gets pulled in to be the new recruit. So we have almost the top gun like, or something like that where he's a legacy sort of character that's washed out, but is brought back in because he's, you know, got a lot of potential and they really need him for yeah. the fight. But the Kaiju haven't been around for 10 years but she's brought in to be the new recruit and she's thrown in with all the other people, including the Russian blonde who's very, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name from Rocky four. Oh, uh, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. The, uh, Drago or whatever it yeah. is. Very much that like they have beef. Um, and it's, you know, the girl's not able to, connect with the Jaegers like everybody else is and there's this whole plot point but it's just it's got this weird back and forth here but the main plot is essentially that somebody like they're trying to make 
Jaegers become completely automated. Okay. So, like, drones? Yeah, so they're trying to do drones, and during the demonstration, a rogue Jaeger comes up and kills John Bayega's sister, which I guess is uh, the character who Rico Kikuchi played in the first one. Mm. I was never quite sure about that, but he calls her sister, and it seems like it's her. Like, that character, at least. And... Um, she was the, definitely saved and raised by Pentecost. And... Yeah, so there, there's two. The two wacky scientists are back. Oh wow! Um, have you heard about what Charlie Day's been saying about it? No. Should I tell you, or do you want to watch? Because it's not necessarily. It's supposed to be subtext. Uh, I mean, what? Okay, um, Charlie Day's been very active or very vocal about the fact that the way he wanted to play the character is that him and the other scientists were um, together and have since split apart and that he's just missing the man that he, you know, the man he loves and that he shipped the characters and very much it was uh, informed by the fans and thinks that he it adds a lot to it. Watching it, I don't really pick that up there's a couple of moments where you know there somebody will say hey you do not have any contact with them what it's not it's not a big deal like yeah then it won't be a problem you know that sort of thing but i don't really know if that's there's enough there if you didn't say it it probably wouldn't have occurred sort of but there are some cool sequences especially when drones go haywire and uh become infected with kaijus and kaiju there's a lot about kaijus fusing with jaeger technology okay and being actually becoming like they're a guy or a kaiju brain being in the driver's seat and fusing with the jaeger and able to use it now that does call to mind stuff like um how are the missiles loaded like reloaded and put back in there if it's a wandering kaiju but hey you know we won't think about that it's fine um so because we'll have badass action <laughs> sequences pretty much um they're they're um not going into any big tw- twist or anything but the kaiju come back uh, i'm pretty sure that was in the trailer yeah but the thing is that doesn't happen until the last third of the movie oh so first two thirds is, is all this other stuff yeah is all this other stuff is a this rogue jaeger which they eventually find is a kaiju jaeger but how does this happen oh this is man-made uh da, 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 and some weird twists um the main thing i my kind of thing is you they we have more jaegers they seem like they're a lot of them are the same jaegers from before there is one that is a straight up fucking ripoff of neon genesis evangelion oh uh, i'm pretty sure that that one shot when that one shot in the trailer where like it zooms into each one of them as their weapon and, yeah like i remember like someone sharing a gif and being like uh neon genesis evangelion much yeah the <laughs> um the red one yeah has um has a just a two sabers that they can combine into one sword and she's flipping around and jumping off of buildings and kicking them. And very much that's like, I was watching just like, Holy shit. Like if it wasn't subtext before it's text now. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was much. I don't think the big 
robot genre of well, I mean, Japanese each, anime. Has each one of these is a different. I would I would very much say that each one of these is a different type of yeah. thing. The one in the very back is very much Transformers or um, Gundam. Like there, you very much get that feeling. Like, oh, yeah. this is a Gundam. This is a this is an Eva unit. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. What honestly, what I thought was going to happen at the very near the end, through third party things, they end up fusing these three different kaiju into one, and it rewrites their biology and everything so that they become a giant like Godzilla level titan essentially just completely wipes the floor with everybody and they don't go the way i thought it would go and it's okay the way they did it but what i thought was going to happen is that all the people who are putting together all the scrapyard yeah jaegers were going to come to the defense of the earth now that it's 10 years later yeah you even see like a cloverfield field style shot very early on of him talking about it, and then you just see somebody like with a handheld, just yeah. maybe half of a second, maybe three seconds at most, of somebody walking with their own full size Jaeger. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going to bring in all these Jaegers. I, I think that's probably the, the third movie. The, oh, yeah. Um, so, real quick, um, the. Um, so instead, it's just, hey, they managed to defeat it through their own means. Yeah, they do pull back in. They do pull in some, you know, Chekhov's guns, but not the one that I thought they were going to be pulling in. Uh. But this movie basically ends almost the exact same way that Independence Day Resurgence did. Oh, we're the we're going to go with their planet. We're going to take the fight to them, <laughs> and that's how it ends. Wow! And I went, oh. yeah, okay. I guess this is a trilogy now. Sure. I mean, that I don't know why you, they made a two if they weren't going to make a three. Well, the first didn't do great. I mean, it did it did decent. Yeah. But for the longest time, none of us thought there was going to be a Pacific Rim two. Yeah, but that was more the fact that like Guillermo del Toro was definitely not coming back. Right. Um. No, um, Charlie Day definitely had a lot more stuff to do in this one. Um, I really liked him in this one yeah. a whole lot more. Um, I don't know where I would have liked it to go, but I guess Riley died as well um, from the first movie. Riley, which one? Charlie Hunnam. Huh. His character. His, apparently he died as well. I, I, don't. I, I mean, I have only seen Pacific for months, so. So apparently that was Rico Kikuchi as Mako in oh. there. So it's just been a few years since I've seen her apparently, and I just did not recognize her at all. So there is there is that. I mean, she's always going to be bang bang to me. Brothers Bloom, come on, don't do this to me. So yeah, they um, yeah, the budget for Pacific Rim was an estimated one hundred ninety million dollars. Gross USA box office, one hundred and one million. Probably four hundred million worldwide. Uh, yeah, four hundred eleven million worldwide. Yeah. But still, yeah. like that's not necessarily big enough for. That's it made twice of its money back. Yeah, 
but how much of that was spent on um marketing and everything yeah like they maybe made a hundred million well i mean they definitely waited i mean it took five years for a sequel to come out that's not even under the same studio yeah and right now it's at 152 million so it just it's made its money back with its budget back oh worldwide so with it with well it, i was talking about the new one that's what i'm saying yeah. in the new one it's made its budget back worldwide wow. already so maybe we'll see what the drop-off is after this week yeah well but, it's going we're ramping up into the most insane <sighs> fucking not goddamn <laughs> summer <laughs> literally dude right. man yeah. it's already started in march like i can't keep up like i can't like I, I haven't even seen a wrinkle in time. I, I still, you know, this came out. Yeah. Fucking uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One in. comes out, and like, came out tonight. Yeah, it came out tonight. Fucking. Uh, Think of what you could have been doing with your time instead of being here. Uh, going to sleep so that you could work uh, tomorrow. Probably. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what would happen. But um. <laughs> Also, I mean, we're ramping up into Avengers, Deadpool yep. 2, uh, a Star Wars solo movie that no one really fucking wants at this point. Yeah. Other than Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. It should have been called Lando. It's just, yeah, it's just made fucking Lando. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the more interesting movie anyways. No, I mean, the, the funny thing, uh, my favorite thing about it is like, okay, so he went from this kid to Han Solo and a less than 10 years to Harrison Ford yeah. in like less than 10 years. Okay. Like, you know, Hey, the millennium Falcons all pristine. I still don't know. know why they're coming to coming across the Lovecraftian elder God in that trailer. I mean, I'm sure that's what the movie is for. Yeah, I know, but it's still like, wait a minute. Since when have we pulled Lovecraftian Elder Gods with tentacles and space and stuff? I mean, did you watch Empire Strikes Back? Because the giant worm and the I mean, asteroid. I, I still don't think that of as a Lovecraftian Elder God. That's, yeah, that, but that, I'm that, just that, is, that is a space, strange space that, creature. Is that is not a, exactly yeah that, foreign. Yeah, it's uh, and I mean, it's not uh, a fucking blue beam in the sky. So I mean, there's that. Well, hey. Don't speak too early. I know, right? There could still be a fucking beam in the sky. I mean, I'm pretty sure that um, at one point that uh, what was the name of the other one? Rogue One. Yeah. Pretty, you know, it it was whenever it was on, you know, where her father dies. But still, that was they had some shit going down there that was questionable. So I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a weird fucking year because this is. But um, people are also going like, hey, yeah, RDJ's uh, schedule is suddenly really wide open. He's he's talking a lot about doing that third Sherlock Holmes movie now. Like, that no one fucking wants. I, I still... Okay. The second one was so bad. The second one is the one that had that really like elaborate scene that I was talking about that I wish I could write, have written in a novel. The That the weird casino fight that just goes everywhere yeah it's so like so but like how the fuck do you plan this like how yeah like, that that's a lot of storyboarding to get that There's to a lot of off. parts coming together yeah and it was that that was for me that was in awe no the first one was bad enough 
The first one's like a kitschy. Well, okay. So I like the first. I really do actually like the first one. But literally, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang ruined one of the thing, one of the plot elements in it for me. Oh yeah, they mentioned this. Yeah, think, like oh, where's, where's the yeah, and that was the whole thing. Like, <laughs> where's them, the climax? Them, take them place? driving agro- across the bridge and him leaning forward and going, "Oh hey, yeah, that's a marvel of modern construction." Da, da, da. I was like, le- "Fuck." Yeah, leaned up. No, I literally leaned over to Katie and went, "Gee, I wonder where this is gonna end." <laughs> you know, yeah. like l- quoted word for word, "Kiss, kiss, bang, bang" about it, and then it got to it. I was like, "Really? Yeah. Really, movie? Really, RDJ?" Yeah, it happened. Yeah, so the second one I just haven't ever watched again, but I don't know. It was just, to me, I remember getting, like, the people who got mad at the Sherlock TV show in a way that I don't understand at all, even as a Sherlock Holmes fan. Oh, Harris Bomber guy has a video for you. (laughs) Yeah, I tried. I can't even fucking make it through that fucking I've watched it. It's almost insufferable. I've watched it twice. But also, I don't hate Stephen Moffat in the way that he hit the special. Yeah. The special just like, like, if he could just fucking cut his head off and and fuck the fucking wound, I'm pretty sure he would. I think you went very crossed there. Yeah. But yeah, Harris Bomber guy. He has a special hate. Yeah. He has a special hate for Don't do it, Harris. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like I like a lot of the small things. I don't think that any of... I ha- really haven't seen a Sherlock that pulls off what it needs to, which is the giving us the pieces to figure it out. Because both versions really... I mean... I guess the Sherlock from um, the BBC Sherlock is more internal. Well, it's he figures everything out. It's more in Sherlock's head, than... right? But he doesn't. There's there's none of the pieces for us. Whereas um, the Guy Ritchie version, I'm trying to think how to put it. RDJ's version looks at all the pieces we see him looking at all the pieces and then when we get to the end of the scene he goes here's how all those are at the end of the story here's how all those pieces fit together the first one was just lunacy yeah like none of that made sense but um the whole blackwood character was so yeah such a like a over-the-top thing for a sherlock Holmes. and but it was yeah i i don't know i did like I don't. I, I remember Katie. It felt parent. like him trying, Guy Ritchie trying to make a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and like not, like not, not, not. Well, he was trying to, yeah, follow the Batman, yeah, sort of thing, and clearly following the Prestige. Yes, definitely. Uh, no, the Katie's parents had the big problem they had with the second one was whenever Sherlock and Watson danced together. Like in this time and place, that would never have been allowed. Like did it, you know, like that whole thing. I'm like. Okay, guys, like, you're probably taking this a little bit too seriously. And that's something coming from me. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like none, there's, I just don't feel like there's been a great representation of Sherlock because even House does the same thing. Is yeah. House goes to extraordinary leaps without leading us there. Well, I think the thing is, is most of the storytellers are too worried about gotta get that twist in there well i gotta twist it gotta twist 
Twisty, twisty, twisties. I, I mean, literally, I think we've talked about this. That first episode of Sherlock. Yeah. I knew that there was no hope for it because the like he mentions about the cane, you know, the cane or his limp being psychosomatic. Yeah. And they're in the diner and they see the coach and they both run off after it. And then they make sure to pan down and stare at Watson's cane. And they're running and you're just, like, you just know that shot's there and you're just like, Guys, I, rem- I remember what Sherlock said. Like, I can piece two and two together. And to drive the point home, I actually am fine with the second one. I'm not fine with this first one. But the second one was the guy from the restaurant or a cabbie or something drops off the cane and says, hey, you forgot this. Yeah. And then Watson goes, oh, I'm fine with that one. Because that's a post-reveal that kind of has you recontextualize if you weren't paying attention. Yeah. But the panning down to the cane and lingering on it. Then again, my favorite episode is the wedding. Yeah, the, that's one of my favorites. Is the wedding one where he's going through the story? He's going through all the like misadventures they've had together. Well, They're the, pulling all the stuff scene together in the parliament with the maids and uh, yes. where he figures it out. And yes, I was like, oh my okay. god! So that 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 is peak. That that's yeah. season. I think that season is the peak. Yes, I agree with you totally. Like everything else did not season work for three, me. I think. Yes, season three, I absolutely loved season three. Everything else did not work for me in that series. But season three, I was like, "Oh, you have my attention." Can you? No, you can't. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it, it went off the deep end on that last episode. Yeah. Season. Not even. Oh god. <laughs> and it, in all likelihood, will never happen. Season five will. With how big Benedict Cumberbatch is, Bene- well, and the fact being, that he's in the Marvel, being a ring Cumberband, yeah, and Martin Freeman's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, yeah, those that, guys are tied down the rest of their careers at this point. <laughs> not, not even joking. <laughs> so, Nathan, where can people find you on the interwebs? Still find me on Twitter at Nate Wad Neutron. Occasionally, you can find me on the Reddit at Nate Wad Neutron. Uh, and Justin, where can they find you? I think I'm going to take a thing just from, I think it was Chris Jericho on Hot Ones. Just Google me. <laughs> Google me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, guys, thanks for all you do. Be sure to set fire to the hive. I don't have any final thoughts. Do you? No. Dang.